former U.S. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper is leading a delegation from the Atlantic Council to Taiwan. The four-day visit will include a meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen, as well as talks with government agencies and think tanks about regional security. Esper is a longtime supporter of Taiwan, having advocated for the U.S. to reevaluate its one-China policy and shift to strategic clarity on Taiwan. I mentioned Minister Wu is a champion of the historic U.S.-Taiwan partnership, so it is my honor to welcome him here. Earlier this year, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu discussed U.S.-Taiwan relations via teleconference with former U.S. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. Now, the former U.S. official is leading a delegation to Taiwan for four days in his capacity as a scholar of the Atlantic Council think tank. With him will be Atlantic Council Senior Vice President and Director Barry Pavel, as well as former diplomatic advisor to the President of Italy, Stefano Stefanini. The three will sit with President Tsai Ing-wen on Tuesday. They'll also hold meetings with relevant government agencies and think tanks on security and trade in the Indo-Pacific. They are also expected to conduct deep exchanges on the relationship between Taiwan, the U.S., and Europe. In the past, the Atlantic Council mainly concerned itself with the European continent, but it's shifted its attention to the Asia-Pacific region, and especially to the Indo-Pacific, as it has gradually become the focus of international politics. Esper previously participated in the Gulf War and was vice president for governmental relations at Raytheon, a major U.S. defense contractor. He later joined the Trump administration as secretary of defense and was a big supporter of providing Taiwan with defensive weapons. That was until 2020, when then-U.S. President Donald Trump fired him over Twitter. After leaving his post, he has become even more involved in countering China and supporting Taiwan. In many ways, the one-China policy has outlived its usefulness. I think Joe Biden's instincts are spot on. He said three times right now we would support them militarily. I think it was a very clear statement, and I don't know why the White House keeps walking back on this. Esper called on Biden to reevaluate the U.S.'s one-China policy. He said that amid the soaring danger of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, the U.S. should shift to a strategic clarity on the issue. He has said that if an emergency were to happen in Taiwan, neighboring countries such as Japan and South Korea would be unable to remain uninvolved. He has urged the U.S. to strengthen its cooperation with its Indo-Pacific allies to counter China's growing threat. Esper has long advocated for Taiwan's security and stability, saying that it is the foundation of peace in the first island chain. For Taiwan, his visit is another opportunity to gain visibility on the international stage and for direct communication. It is an opportunity to strengthen the security, peace and stability of the Taiwan Strait. DPP lawmaker Wang Dingyu says Esper's visit could be motivated by his desire to gain a better understanding of the cross-strait situation. In any case, it is short to be a way for Taiwan to remain part of public discourse in the U.S. Reports say the military is planning to conduct drills in the Danzhou River in northern Taiwan to strengthen its asymmetric warfare capabilities. The drills would feature the M3 amphibious rig, which could impede the passing of enemy vessels into the capital. Experts say using this kind of pre-existing equipment in new ways is a type of asymmetric warfare that could prove effective at keeping Chinese attackers away. China claims to have the world's largest hovercraft, the Zuber, which it has repeatedly shown off for the cameras in combat training missions. The vessel has a full load displacement of 555 tons and a range of up to 500 kilometers. It can transport a fully armed amphibious warfare company consisting of three main battle tanks, 10 armored vehicles, and 140 soldiers, or 500 fully armed soldiers. 
If such a vessel were to enter Taiwan via the Danshui River in the north, it would be a significant threat to Taiwan's political and economic center, Taipei. To defend against such an invasion from China, Taiwan's military is reportedly planning a training drill with M3 amphibious rigs at the mouth of the Danshui, following exercises in the area in recent days. The M3 amphibious rig is a self-propelled amphibious bridging vehicle. It creates a large platform on the water to project tanks and other vehicles across river obstacles. According to reports, the Army plans to use the M3 amphibious rig as a sort of mine layer to defend the river. The rig can be used to block access to the river, but also to lay down explosives and detonate them when the Chinese hovercraft passes by the area, destroying the target. This would be an example of the military's innovative approach to asymmetric warfare. When we talk about asymmetric warfare, we usually talk about two things. One is asymmetric equipment. For example, we can use smaller rocket missiles, which are cheaper high-precision ammunition, to fight high-cost payloads. The other is asymmetric strategy. This latter one refers more to using the equipment we already have and finding ways to use it effectively in asymmetric warfare, making the most of its combat effectiveness. Because compared with us on numbers alone, our opponent is very powerful, so we need to have unique approaches to maximize our combat power. Strengthening the defenses of the Danshui estuary has long been an important mission for the military. During the Chen administration, the strategy was to deploy the Marine Corps with assault amphibious vehicles to defend the area. Now, the Tsai administration plans to station amphibious reconnaissance and search battalions with the M3 amphibious rig. Military experts believe such a strategy is highly effective against enemy attempts to remove Taiwan's leadership. Having enough units deployed near the capital is crucial to prevent attempts at taking out our leadership, or attempts to take over our political and economic center. There could be Marine Corps troops in Linko and the military police in Taipei carrying out exercises every now and then to drill combat scenarios. From the war in Ukraine, we saw that the Russian army dispatched airborne troops in an attempt to take over Kyiv International Airport. It was an attempt to take control of Ukraine's political and economic center as fast as possible. Amid the disparity in military strength between Taiwan and China, the military continues to refine its asymmetric warfare capabilities. Former Health Minister Chen Shizong on Monday handed the reins to Xue Ruiyuan, who had acted as Deputy Minister under Chen. With his health ministry role behind him, Chen said his farewells and kicked off his campaign for Taipei mayor. Chen addressed accusations against him by the opposition KMT and discussed the city's old age pension policy. Colleagues gather in the hallway of the health ministry to see off Chen Shizhong. Chen officially stepped down as health minister on Monday as he prepared to throw himself fully into his campaign for Taipei mayor. While delivering his farewell speech, he took the opportunity to appeal to voters. Thank you all for all your help through which we achieved success. With your help, we successfully tackled the pandemic and ensured the health of our society. In the future, please continue to stand fast in your positions. Remember to vote for me. Thank you, everyone. Looking back over the past five years as health minister and his work fighting the pandemic, Chen said he had mixed feelings about the future. Yesterday, I was joking with my wife, telling her not to prepare a handkerchief for me, because I knew I would be brought to tears. 
Afterward, I spoke with the chief secretary and asked her to have a handkerchief ready for me, since I realized I would be unable to stop myself. Chen is now retired from the health ministry and is on the campaign trail. Meanwhile, in his recently released autobiography, Chen revealed that he had once applied for U.S. residency to leave Taiwan during the White Terror era. In response, the KMT criticized Chen for relying on the U.S. and being, quote, self-important. Chen fired back at the accusations. I didn't used to have a green card. I simply applied for a green card once. However, I didn't complete the application because there were quite a lot of people ahead of me in the application process. Everyone should remember, in the 1970s, Taiwan didn't just leave the United Nations. Another very serious issue we faced was the White Terror era. At that time, there were many university students and others who wanted to go abroad and escape the White Terror. When I talk about this today and get criticized for doing so by the KMT, it pushes me to ask them, at that time, did any of you think about leaving Taiwan? I'd also like to say that for them to bring this up as a manipulative tactic is really a bit low. Personal attacks aside, a mayoral election campaign must focus on municipal policy. To that end, Chen expressed approval of Taipei city government plans to reinstate old age pensions. If it were me in charge, I'd issue the old age pension. We don't need to be mavericks. Basically, when it comes to respect for the elderly, we need only worry about doing too little. Nobody will say we do too much. With only 131 days until the elections, Chen is planning to make the best use of his time possible. On Tuesday, he is expected to announce his campaign team, and on Wednesday, he will begin stomping in the city's Wanhua district. Also on Monday, Chen Shizhong passed on the leadership of the CECC to Victor Wang in a simple ceremony. Chen handed Wang the official vest of the CECC commander to symbolize Wang's inheritance of the role. Wang thanked Chen for his hard work over the previous two years. Let's hear what he said. Firstly, on behalf of the entire CECC, I would like to thank Minister Chen for guiding all of us over the past two years at the CECC. I think he has been an extremely competent and excellent commander. Over the past few years, we have followed his lead in doing a lot, a lot of things. I have also learned a lot from him, both on epidemic prevention and on management skills. I will always remember him, and if I ever need to consult anyone, I will ask him for advice. Also, on behalf of the CECC, I would like to thank Deputy CECC Head Chen Songyan, who has also stepped down as Deputy Commander after completing the relevant tasks. We are extremely grateful for his contributions to epidemic prevention. The new CCC commander also put forward seven tasks for the CCC moving forward. They are monitoring global COVID trends, reviewing COVID policies on a rolling basis, introducing forward-looking vaccine management, and preparing COVID resources. There is also protecting older adults and children, making the flow of information smoother, and improving communication with local governments. In his first day as CCC commander, Wang reported 17,549 local COVID cases and 48 COVID-related deaths. We head now to a restaurant where beef is the star billing, but these dishes have surely never appeared on a menu before. Wagyu beef volcano hot pot with no soup, anyone? How about cheese hot pot? Have you been ever seen an ice cream made of Wagyu? These are just some of the avant-garde recipes on offer.
a mountain of Wagyu beef piled on a plate, then dusted with yam sauce like snow, until it's heated and then it becomes a volcano. This beef bubbles in a sweat in salty sukiyaki sauce, with its accompaniment of silky yams. Raw Wagyu beef is cut into wafer-thin strips and placed on cabbage, layer upon layer, to create the mountain. Why do we use yam? We use it to recreate the silky texture that traditional sukiyaki gets from egg yolks. The flavor is fresher. Another hot pot with no soup is this cheese pot. With fried Iberian pork, chicken, and just a hint of spice, the lava-like cheese is a delicious creamy centerpiece. And why not try this raw beef sushi? Sushi rice is pressed with beef soaked in barbecue sauce. The beef is briefly blowtorched to bring out its flavor. The barbecue sauce is paired with Japanese sesame oil. We grill it mainly for the thrill of it, but flavor-wise, it may bring out more of the aroma. And after the entree, time for an ice cream cone made of beef. Crack the cone up and mix it with the beef and egg yolks to create a donburi of a very special kind. This is beef cuisine to satisfy the taste buds but also tickle the funny bone. The Asia-Taiwanese Chambers of Commerce on Monday held an event on the post-pandemic world economy in Taizong. Local election candidates attending the event seized the opportunity to assure business people that their issues would be addressed. Taizong Mayor Lu Shouyan was at the event saying that Taiwanese businesses favor her city for operations. President Tsai Ing-wen enters the meeting hall with Deputy Legislative Speaker Tsai Chi-chung behind her in close step. It's the day after the DPP held its National Party Congress, and the President is in Taichung to attend an event held by the Asia-Taiwanese Chambers of Commerce. The group is meeting to discuss the post-pandemic world economy and Taiwan's resolve to help get it back on track. We are especially thankful for the hard work of the Asia-Taiwanese Chambers of Commerce. It not only connects our friends across Asia, but also actively promotes cooperation between Taiwan and other countries throughout the world. This effort puts Taiwan in the spotlight. The government will also work hard to have everyone's back. With the local elections just around the corner, seating at the event was carefully arranged. Sat next to the president was Vice Premier Shen Rongjin. Then there was Tsai Chi Chong, who is running for Taichung mayor. His seat near the president a reflection of his current status as deputy legislative speaker. Sat next to him was economics minister Wang Meihua and incumbent Taichung mayor Lu Xiuyan, who is seeking re-election. There is no issue raised that has no solution, nothing that can't be asked. Whatever issues are brought up in this meeting will be brought up again next time. So we try to find quick solutions for our business people to solve the difficulties they encounter. Tsai Chi Chung describes himself as a man of action in resolving issues both at the central and local levels. Meanwhile, Lu took the opportunity to highlight her city administration's achievements. Over 247 companies, the most nationwide, have chosen Taichung. Thank you everyone for recognizing Taichung. This also shows confidence in Taichung's economic outlook. With the local elections getting closer, both major parties are pulling out all stops in the race to win hearts and minds, both at the grassroots level and among the country's business elites. Back in April, the CCC issued a policy requiring gyms to admit only those who had received three COVID vaccine shots. The policy impacted gym owners as the number of patrons went down. 
in a bid to get people back in the gym and help the sector recover, the Ministry of Education on Monday launched a voucher program offering 300,000 gym vouchers worth 1,000 NT. Within minutes of registration opening, more than 1.3 million people had registered. But with so many people attempting to sign up at once, the server crashed for a brief period. To be eligible for the vouchers, gym goers would have had to indicate their interest in the lottery last year when they were applying for the quintuple stimulus vouchers. Registration will remain open until Wednesday and the lucky winners will be notified on Friday. The vouchers will be valid between 10 a.m. on July 25th to the end of August. An insurance company has launched the first insurance policy designed to encourage weight loss. The plan gives customers incremental discounts if they lose weight or maintain a healthy weight. The product has ignited fierce debate online, with some saying it could be motivational and others saying it's the wrong approach. A delicious mango cake followed by a full cup of milky latte. Watching TV with friends and enjoying some snacks. Lots of people became couch potatoes during the pandemic, and it doesn't take much to start gaining weight. Sometimes I don't eat three regular meals a day, so it's easy for me to gain weight. Right now, I think I weigh almost 100 kilos, and I'd like to lose 10 kilos. According to the Ministry of Health and Welfare, in 2021, almost 48% of Taiwanese adults were overweight or obese. A BMI of 24 or above is considered overweight. One Candy Insurance Company has launched the first weight loss insurance policy. Your fees go down by 1% for every kilo you lose, up to 20% of the total. If you maintain a healthy weight and renew the policy after a year, you automatically get a 20% discount. It's an elaborate motivational tactic. It would provide a bit more motivation. You shouldn't do it for the money. That's kind of superficial. I've maintained the same weight for more than 20 years. I would think I'd won if I'd bought this insurance. I'd just keep my weight down and the insurance fees would be cheaper. We want to really be there with our clients as they manage their weight and achieve their goals of a healthy BMI. The company says lots of customers are eager to try the policy. On social media, commentators have joked that it's adding insult to injury for folks who just can't find a way to slim down. One commentator said they were saving up 30 years of fat just for this very moment. Whether the policy helps people protect their health or just gives them a good chuckle, it certainly got them talking. A classic Cantonese barbecue brand has opened a new branch in Taipei with an all-new model. The 43-year-old business will focus just on delivery at the new location. But the recipes, mainly Hong Kong-style barbecue classics like pork, duck and chicken, are untouched. Let's see how the launch went down with locals. A washed duck is stuffed, sewn up, and blanched in boiling water, then covered with vinegar to ensure its skin gets nice and crispy. The duck is blown up and air-dried before being baked in a hot oven. Before long, the crispy golden roast duck is ready to serve. To complete the sambal rice combination of pork, duck, and chicken, barbecue pork is dunked in malt syrup. The duck is sliced up neatly to a symphony of crackles. Apart from its classic sambal combination, the rice can also go with sanshao rice, smoked chicken, or barbecue goose. Most people choose to get a takeaway. 
Even on a boiling hot day like this, the queue at the door stretches way down the street. This barbecue restaurant has been open for 43 years, and its new branch is dedicated just to takeaway. There aren't many servings, but there are lots of people queuing, so I came to queue early. It's just as good as, for example, the Peking duck you get at other places. Of course, it's incredibly hot, but you have to get Cantonese barbecue. Now we can get a discount on our rent, so the location is better. Because of the pandemic, our delivery services have expanded a great deal. That's an advantage we have. These barbecue experts have decided to capitalize on shifts in real estate to open a new branch. They're hoping that a focus on deliveries will help them stay relevant for the foodies of tomorrow. It was a sizzling hot day island-wide on Monday, with the highest temperature recorded at 38.4 degrees in Hualien's Fuyuan Township. In Taipei, temperatures have soared to 38 degrees for three days in a row now, and it's not looking like the heat is going to go away anytime soon, with high temps expected until the weekend. The constant heat and absence of typhoons is causing coral reefs around the island to suffer from thermal stress. Experts say if things don't change, coral bleaching could start occurring by mid-August. Typhoons can help bring down the temperature in coral reefs. Lowering the temperature can alleviate thermal stress for the coral. Without typhoon, that means the coral is being cooked in water that's hotter than what it can tolerate. The bleaching would start from the south, Kanding, Liuqiu Island, Green Island, and Orchid Island. Then it could spread to the northeast coast. It's a higher altitude, so the heat builds up more slowly there. The expert says bleached coral reefs take 7 to 10 years to recover. If the hot weather persists and the bleaching takes foot, recovery could take even longer.